welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Plant Medicine, Cannabis, Psychedelics, and Pharmaceuticals. I am excited today. I know you guys hear that a lot. <laughs> I am excited for real, for real. I'm excited about this amazing do-it-all superhero. Yeah, I'm bringing another superhero here today. They do so much. We need to start shining light on our nurses. They are so awesome. I mean, see what they went through for us during COVID. That is what shining a light on them. So before I get to my guest today, where are we? We are in Leicester Plant Medicine, Cannabis, Psychedelics, and Pharmaceuticals. And who the heck am I? <laughs> I am Dr. Lola, also known as Dr. O. For those of you that are just joining, I've been seeing new faces around here. I am so appreciative of you guys showing up. And uh, so I am a clinical pharmacist by trade. Uh, medical cannabis specialist, plant medicine queen, that's what they call me. <laughs> this show is for educational purposes and should not be taken as medical advice. That's our first house cleaning. The second house cleaning is the sponsors. Who is sponsoring this show? Yes, this show is sponsored by WCI Health, your alternative health and wellness hub. They are the makers of Glows and Glows Beauty product. And also remember my book, A Pharmacist Guide to Cannabis, a setting of a non-conforming clinician. If you are yet to pick it up, go grab your stuff. So for everything about WCI Health Glows, head straight to the website, wci-health.com. And also I wanna say thank you to you, yes, you. <laughs> if you are on a Healthy Cost Well membership, you are indirectly supporting this show. We want to say thank you. And for those of you that are yet to join our village, it takes a village. <laughs> it takes a village. Come join us. If you would like to sponsor this show, slide in DM or go to wci-health.com for all the information. Yeah, that's that for us. Uh, I haven't said that Miss Eloise Teasing is our guest today. She is a nurse practitioner. She's the present current president uh, of uh, American Cannabis Nurse Association. She's going to be handing over the baton soon, but she's still the president. She's still our president. I am an honorary, honorary member of American Cannabis Nurse Association. I just spoke at the end of the year, at the year uh, conference as their annual speaker and Miss Eloise was so kind to have me there. It was a blast, I'm telling you. <laughs> New Mexico will never forget us, for real. She is a specialized <laughs> cannabis therapist. She is the co-founder and the CEO of Radical Health and Radical Health Network. Chief Nursing Officers and President of Live, uh, Live 411. I mean, this woman, she is doing it all. I cannot do justice to her. I'm going to pass it to her and let her tell me all the good, juicy stuff about her. Miss Eloy, thank you so much for coming to our show. Please talk to me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Dr. Lola. It's a treat to be here. It was so great to have you at the conference and have that energy coming from you. And 
yeah, we're all still reeling from your talk <laughs> and just your energy and collaboration. So thank you. Um, yep. So the American Cannabis Nurses Association, I'll start there. We've been around since 2010, believe it or not. So we're on our 11th year um, and now have over 1,500 members across Ooh. all states in the United States. We do have some international members as well in Canada and Australia and the United Kingdom. Um, and we're really just, our mission is to help educate, advocate, uh, work with policy development, research, collaboration, and so, of course, that was part of our outreach to you um, to start collaborating with other disciplines as well, because, as you know, in this industry, it's very challenging to get the medical community on board um, with cannabis as a medicine for our patients. <laughs> <laughs> the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah. And it's a big one. So, you know, we're always glad to be among like-minded people who uh, have the same mission as us. And we were fortunate enough to have our conference in person in October in New Mexico and had a, I think, a pretty significant turnout considering the state of uh, the world right now and our, our current pandemic state. And really look forward to continuing that momentum and really getting nurses to be uh, an integral part of this industry. Yeah, that is amazing. Awesome, awesome. Talk to me. You are a lot of things. You are a lady coat of many color. I need to know about radical health. How did you <laughs> get to that level? I need to know about LIB 411. What's going on there? I need more, more stuff. Okay. You want, you want the, the, the you tea, do. as the kids say? You want me to spill the tea? Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, let's spill <laughs> the tea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Radical Health was started in 2018 with my business partner, Timothy Byers, and his background is curriculum development, and he just happens to be the husband of my best friend, and we would have many, uh, you know, dinners together, and I would tell him about how nurses were very interested in learning more about cannabis, and there was no formal education out there, so we worked um, together to start creating curriculum and came up with our self-paced modules that are now available online. Originally, our target audience was nurses, but we recognize that there's a lot of um, other licensed professionals that are interested in learning about cannabis. And so now we have different levels of sort of foundational and advanced sciences that we offer. Um, and so we continue to do that work. We have our community that we try to do once a month. It's usually once every six weeks, <laughs> we'll get a, <laughs> a, a community out. Uh, we're going to have one um, next week actually on THCV. So we really do try to look at current trends, like when Delta 8 kind of hit the market and there was a lot of consumer confusion. We tried really hard to go into the science and provide that information so that um, not only healthcare professionals, but also some consumers could really understand you know, what the risks and benefits were of that particular cannabinoid. Um, and same thing with THCV. You know, we're seeing some people come out and producing this cannabinoid and products and people are calling it diet weed. And, you know, what's the evidence say? You know, we're always trying to make sure that we're providing some unbiased information that's evidence-based um, because there's a lot of hyperbole in the industry. Um, you know, there's also, I think, uh, challenges with the industry wanting to talk about some of the potential adverse effects or risks of cannabis because they're concerned, it, you know, we don't want any more negative attention on cannabis, which I understand. Um, 
And a lot of our curriculum is informed through my practice. So I started my practice in 2014. And that really came out of sort of just a, a moment with a patient who was wanting to use cannabis for her cancer treatment, um, wanted her physician's approval. Her physician said no. And she said, that's okay, I'll, I'll get it off the streets. And she was serious and she was in her 80s. And all I could think of is this woman deserves better. Um, you know, she deserves to have someone help her navigate this um, professionally. And that's when I decided to basically hang a shingle and, and start my practice. And, and in 2014, you know, we still only had medical cannabis in California. So it was, um, you know, patients came to me out of necessity and didn't realize that they were getting this comprehensive treatment plan. And, you know, I've continued that through legalization, although it's not a requirement now in California, so there hasn't been as much demand. Um, but I got, you know, I gather quite a bit of evidence and data on my patients. I've really um, learned some real world, you know, experiences that help me inform how I treat my patients. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for what you do. I mean, I tell people cannabis is not different from our spinach. It's grown in the soil, just like all this stuff. It's not different. I grew up with herbal medicine. We have right now plant-based products that are even extremely, even more dangerous. Look at St. John's Wort. Mm -hmm. St. John's Wort interacts with almost anything and everything under the sun. We look at spinach. All this we tell folks when you look at our cumidine, don't eat green leafy veggie. Does that mean green leafy veggie is bad for you? Right. No, it's just mm -hmm. that it interacts with even our conventional medicine. It interacts with a lot. Mm -hmm. But when you look at cannabis, it's like this demon. Beautiful. The, the only thing is that God, nature was so kind to us and added all this extra uh, cannabinoid for us, but we they have locked it up in the jail of human. Mm -hmm. We are so not going to, yeah, it is sad. It is sad. And to see that our patients are the one at the, re the receiving hand of this uh, greed from, and I, I'm not against capitalism. I'm a capitalist myself. Sure. But when we continue to put these plants in the prison of human and not even worry about the patient that you just talked about, it just breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. Talk to me, uh, 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 Miss Eloy, what are the roles of the nurses in cannabis space? What do, see, what I notice about, that's why I love uh, what you people are doing, the nurses. Why we, the pharmacists, are still hiding our head under the sand and the physicians are barely even getting there yet. You nurses, nurse practitioners in particular, have gone far, you literally developed this whole space. Mm -hmm. And I'm beginning to see some posts on, on social about, oh, what qualification do not know. And I'm like, where were you when they were developing all this space? Easy. Thank you. you. I know I'm stepping, I'm stepping on toe. That's what we do here. We don't leave no stone on top here. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. had to. I had to say, well, duh. 
what are you talking about? Where yeah. were you when they were developing and, uh, and a lot of nurses were on LinkedIn on that day and they pound on that, that post. And I was happy. I joined, quickly jumped in there too, to, to, to join them. Talk to me, what roles are the nurses able to perform in the cannabis space? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And, and we have a unique scope of practice and, you know, people all the time will challenge it, particularly in the cannabis space. And, you know, we're not trying to be physicians. We're just trying to do what we do naturally, which is educate and advocate for our patients. I mean, we're boots on the ground. We're usually spending the most time with the patients. They're confiding in us in ways that they don't confide with their other healthcare team. Um, so we really do collect a lot of data that is objective data that helps us inform what is best for the patient. And, you know, I think some of the disconnects in the industry is that, that the industry is looking for the patient to provide their data, their subjective data, which we all know can be problematic because they may not remember, you know, recall issues, uh, consumer bias issues, right? Oh, yeah, no, that made me feel great. Um, but we can play a large role in that data collection to help inform practice, you know, because again, with these restrictions on research, we have to rely on real world evidence right now to inform, you know, what's best for patients. Um, like I talked to the public health nurses today and the Association of the Public Health Nurses, and they're seeing a lot of um, patients out there using it and they need the information so that they can help patients use it effectively and reduce harm. That's our role. And I think the more educated we are, the more global we can go with that. Yeah, that is, that is, that is noble. That's mm -hmm. what I will call it. That is really, really noble. Imagine if you guys have not stepped in to help, to start helping patients to navigate this space. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Talk to me, uh, Miss Eloise. How about the ACNA? How does how does that organization? I know this, you like you said, you guys are already international, not just here in United States, in Canada, in UK, in Australia. How uh, how does this organization fit into this into everything? It gives nurses um, a space to come and learn about cannabis and become educated. You know, there's still a lot of nurses, I would say, that are in the cannabis closet or in the shadows. They're still, you know, concerned about um, even admitting that they're learning about cannabis because of the stigma, the Schedule One status. Are they going to lose their job? Are they going to be drug tested? So it, it really does provide a safe space for them to network and become educated. And we are working on credentialing, which is really important for any subspecialty in nursing that um, you know, needs to be taken seriously. So a lot of our work has been dedicated to working with the um, American Nursing Credentialing Center to start that process. And they have accepted our initial documents and are excited that we're bringing this forward. I know. I think we're still a couple of years away from it happening, but we're laying that groundwork right now. And, you know, it's, I said it a couple of years ago, you know, nurses are, are ready. You know, when we see issues with our patients, we want to address it right away. And so in some ways we have some, um, 
I would say unspoken bravery, you know, nurses tend to be really brave and willing to, you know, speak up when they know it's in the best interest of a patient. That is, I totally agree with you. Nurses have unspoken bravery. That's why many of us call you guys superhero. And that is, <laughs> this is, you guys are really, are really special breed of people Special breed with our grid. That's how I'm gonna put it. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna put it. <laughs> they are special breed with our grid. They you guys put yourself at the back burner and put your patient first. And like you said, in spite of the danger of license, how much it costs. I was talking to some ladies today that the, the cost of uh education itself is crazy. So mm -hmm. for, for folks to put all that on the line and say, regardless, we're going to put our patient for that's really, really uh, commendable. But okay. at the same time, like I said, cost of education is like freaking crazy. Mm How, -hmm. why should people go through cannabis education again after all the schools that we have gone to, after all the student loans? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and do you, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think exactly. I was interested in learning more about holistic nursing and it's expensive, you know, any sort of certificate program or continuing education. Um, you know, I think it is sort of part of our responsibility to be, you know, as well-rounded as possible, you know, not just cannabis, but we need to look at emerging trends like LGBTQ communities Absolutely. and, you know, how do we address that from a healthcare perspective? And so, you know, I think, again, it, it comes down to reducing harms and making sure that our patients are using it safely. I mean, I don't know how you avoid getting educated at this point um, and really looking at education that's been put together by the pioneers in the space, because you can go on Dr. Google and get all sorts of information, but it's Lord. so much misinformation. Uh -oh. <laughs> Not Dr. Google. Gee. I know, just say no, right? It's, um, I mean, I just reviewed somebody's work the other day and I just thought, why did you just get this off the internet? You know, it wasn't based on evidence. It wasn't factual. And, you know, unfortunately that stuff is out there. So we really, you know, you're going to pay, you're going to pay, you're going to get what you pay for. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good investment. I, uh, yeah, absolutely. So what is your advice for audience that are wanting to, like you said, a lot of uh, clinicians are still scared to come out of this green closet, cannabis closet. What is your advice to folks that are in that, in that space and they are thinking, oh, how do we even go through this? Yeah, I mean, right now there is no formal, you know, education and training program that's been developed. There's definitely trusted sources out there that, um, of course, I'm biased of radical health because that's content I put together. There's Pacific College Health and Sciences that has a certificate program on medical cannabis. There's the um, Thomas Jefferson University that has a certificate program and even a master's. We have um, University of Maryland now that has a master's program. So we're definitely seeing some evolution in the space for, you know, quality education that's coming out. And again, just looking at it from a harm reduction perspective, because we do know that patients are most likely getting their information from 
um, dispensary staff. And, you know, they're not necessarily getting any formal training or education either. And I don't think they want the responsibility of telling patients how to use cannabis as a medicine, right? I, I think that's too I much tell for them. people that the, the button that no pun intended, they're not paid to be a clinician. Mm-mm. I mean, they are not paid for that. But when you put them in a position to become clinicians, when they're not even paid that right, is that even right. fair on them? You nope. know. Yeah. Not, they're not educated. I, I think it's stressful for them. And, you know, there's a high turnover rate in the dispensaries. So I can see why they're not investing in the education. You know, I think we really need to look at you know, the, the first point of contact for a lot of our patients, we need to do a lot of work there in terms of how we how we help them navigate it. And we need to come together as an industry, which I think is still an area where we haven't matured. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I totally agree with you because there was a day I was uh, doing a club in the clubhouse and one of these uh, ladies came on and she was just thanking me for the content. She said, I am a bartender. And all these are some of the stuff we really wish we have access to and we don't we don't get get that. So they themselves, they want this education that you're talking about, but they they, there is no way for them to really, really get it. And even the schools that if you're going to say, okay, go to the which school, they don't have it themselves. Yeah, you know, they don't have it themselves. So, uh, Miss Eloy, talk to me about uh, Radical Health Network. I know you guys have uh, a special network. Talk to me about that platform. Yep, that's essentially the clinic. And, you know, I have a couple other nurse practitioner, advanced practice nurses on there right now. And our goal is to help patients who want to use cannabis as a treatment. Um, so they you know, unfortunately have to pay out of pocket right now because insurance doesn't cover it, but they get a great, you know, full health intake, health history. um, And then we work with them to treat their goals of care. You know, so if they're coming in for sleep, anxiety, um, the average age of our patient is 76. They're predominantly female who are looking for help with sleep and anxiety. So there's a lot of um, opportunities to help the older adults, you know, increase their quality of life and you know use cannabis responsibly yeah yeah there's a lot of platforms that you have and you know, <laughs> and i'm gonna get there how you get to be able to do all these things you are you are something special I, and i'm gonna Too go much. to yeah leave 411 as reading mm-hmm. that this is a um non-for-profit uh platforms can you talk to us about how that platform operates and the people that works there, what is your intention with that platform? Yeah, Leaf 411 was started in 2019 and Catherine Golden is the nurse CEO of that platform. And she was really looking to solve healthcare inequality, particularly in the cannabis medicine space, um, because she identified early on that patients didn't have access to a quality clinician, right? A well-educated cannabis nurse, clinician, um, and could barely even afford the cost of the medicine. So, you know, the goal with that platform is not only to provide either free or low cost medical cannabis um, education, 
um, but also to expand on an affordability program right now, which is really where we're trying to increase our donations because we have so many companies that want to donate their expiring products or expired products. And it's a great opportunity for us to get the products. And then, I mean, if the kinds of requests that we get every day are, I can't afford this. Can you help me get some? Can you, how can I get some more? It works. It works, but I can't afford it. Um, so we really need funding to help us there to be able to start with essentially just the the operations of it, right? The distribution and getting patients onboarded and all of that, because I think there's so much medicine that gets thrown away that doesn't need to. Um, and we could really, you know, what a great system to have where we could provide patients with medicine and someone there to make sure they're using it safely and effectively. That is really, really great. And I totally agree with you. And where do those medicine even goes to? Straight flush down the toilet and this <laughs> water is recycled into our society. Then we are wondering, okay, why am I showing symptoms as if I am uh, overdosing on steroid or all this? <laughs> <laughs> and we, yeah, why is this hair coming out of my face? And we don't yeah. know that indirectly, even our water is, it's polluted with, with this um, this agent. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. I'm gonna mm -hmm. ask you a, a, a woman's question. I was I in uh, Women in Power in Cannabis a couple of months ago in their conference and part of the theme of the conference was uh, women. We are losing women in the cannabis space. The percentage of women that in this space is just keep dribbling. It's like the men, and we are not saying women against men. That's not what we are about. But at the same time, what? And I even I was talking to some ladies out of Canada today. We had an earlier meeting before before I jump into this Zoom call with you. It was the same thing that we don't even have we enough women in the psychedelic space as well. What yeah. do you think is going on here and how can we resolve this? Because look at all the cool stuff that you and your teams are doing. I'm not saying there are no men on the, on the ACN and we saw a lot of men around, but it's predominantly uh, women. We have more patience to deal with this issue. What's going on there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, nursing is predominantly a female-dominated profession, and um, so it makes sense that you see more women in, in the nursing space and in the cannabis nursing space. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, you know, funding is a big issue, and I think, you know, lack of mentorship and, and resources, it's certainly... Um, the grind is real, right? So resilience is... Um, really something you have to have and you have to be willing to hear no a lot. So I think it, I think from my perspective, I mean, I'm going to speak from my perspective. I can, I, I see how women tend to sort of, you know, eventually kind of give up because, you know, there, there's pretty frequent rejection. <laughs> there's not a lot of funds yeah. that I mean, in the nonprofit with Lee 411, our biggest struggle is getting donations and sponsor. We can't even get our own industry to sponsor us. I mean, the amount of no's that we hear from the cannabis industry are mind boggling. 
at times because I'm like, why wouldn't you want to support a company that provides, you know, education and training to your consumer that's going to keep that consumer loyal to your brand and, you know, continue to come back and, and purchase time and time again. There's so much jumping around uh, from brand to brand because, you know, people don't know what they're doing and they're just, you know, trying to figure, you know, they're this, I'm going to try this one because this one didn't work. But, you know, in terms of getting more women CEOs, I really think it is a lack of the ability of, for women to mentor each other and, and give them those opportunities um, to be able to be strong CEOs in the industry. And that even brought me to, it's uh, is bringing me to uh, the issue. Yeah, when in this kind of organization, you find out that predominantly a lot of the time is minority population that gets to be affected because now you're choosing should I get my cannabis or should I get milk? So, mm -hmm. I mean, this issue and uh, these organizations that we are talking about, most of them are claiming, oh, diversity and inclusion, diversity and inclusion. How can we start holding them accountable to this? Because at the end of the day, uh, we need to start holding this, especially somebody like your organization, ACNA, that is really putting their, uh, their money where their mouth is really channeling diversity, really trying to bring that inclusion into your organization. How do you think we can start, I mean, holding folks responsible? Don't just say, show us what you are doing as for the minority, like you said, uh, the LGBTQ community, the disabled um, in, the, in our community, and the women. When are we gonna start creating that space is, mm -hmm. you know, creating that space for women to be seated on this table. Yeah. I, well, I think we all have to take responsibility for it. it um, you know, my experience at ACNA was the, the approach was, you know, we, we recognized early on that we did not have a diverse board and we didn't have a diverse panel of speakers either. And so if we were going to be serious about diversifying, we had to go out and do the work to do recruitment and mentorship. And so that was a lot of why things shifted so dramatically um, in the last two years in our organization was because we all made a promise that this is something that we're serious about and we're going to put our money where our mouth is by doing the work. Um, the other thing that we've done in the organization that I've am now taken into my personal businesses as well is that equity writer. Right, we don't speak um, or participate in anything unless it's a diversified panel. And you know, a lot of times we'll see, particularly in nursing, that other organizations want to get in front of us because we are a large group. You know, 2.7, 2.9 million in the United States alone, and everybody gets all excited. You know, oh well, let me get in front of your nurses. You know, we're doing an educational event, and I'll say, I don't see a nurse on your panel. I don't see any diversity on your panel. I don't see any women on your panel. I'm seeing women of color in your panel. No, thank you. You know, so it has to go both ways, right? Um, and, and that's a lot of, you know, the work that we're trying to do right now in, in ACNA as well as, you know, in our personal work as well. And, and I think that's, if you're truly serious about it, then you'll make the time and energy for that.
Thank you so much. I mean, that really, uh, that really warms my heart. My pleasure. It really, it really, really means so much to me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, 2020. It really warms my heart to, to hear that, to, to see how hard you, uh, ACNA and your member are working to make sure you, you, you represent who, who you are. Nurses are caregivers. They, right. they care deeply and you don't just care for the body, you care for the spirit and you care for the soul. You, like you said, a lot of this data that we need the most, you get direct access to it. So for you to say this is, we are not healthy here. We need a whole body. And you know what that will cause you to tell an organization that you know what, we're not coming unless we see this. That is like, that is like somebody taking lunch away from, from a child. <laughs> yeah. And, and I really want to, I really want to uh, say thank you so much for what you, for what you guys are doing. And I saw that at the conference, when I came out there, it was right there on display. That's awesome. Thank you so oh, much. I'm glad you noticed that that, that means yeah. the world. I, I, mm -hmm. saw, I saw that. So, uh, Talk to me as you are the uh, you are getting ready to hand over the baton to mm -hmm. the next incoming president uh, in 2022. But how has your term? Uh, what are the challenges, the ups and downs that you have <laughs> had to to uh, go through? If looking back, since you've been uh, president since 2019, looking back, what will you tell your old self a couple of years ago? <laughs> uh chill out <laughs> uh you know it's funny because i came in in 2019 as the president-elect so essentially you know you're you're learning the ropes and um i had great grandiose ideas and then 2020 <laughs> hit and it was a pandemic and uh, yeah there was no playbook. There was no policies and procedures on how to handle it and then with the george floyd um event we okay. had racial you know mm -hmm. unrest and mm -hmm. injustices and um we came out with a really strong anti-racist statement and it was incredibly eye-opening for me to see how um racism really exists in our profession it was it was very um i wasn't expecting it um i have a really great mentor on the board and um you know she was willing to work with me and, um, you know, tried to prepare me and even in my ignorance, continued to mentor me, you know, as a, as a white woman. And that it was some of the most uh, intense work I've ever done, but the most rewarding and what I'm most proud of is that we have, um, we put together uh, no tolerance, zero tolerance policies. We've upheld them when we found members uh, were um, racist online. We removed them from our membership. You know, mm. we, um, you know, I addressed those things straight on. And so, you know, what I've learned is that clarity is kind. 
So, you know, I've learned to be really clear with people. This is our policy. This is what we're doing. And this is why. And it was a board decision. So to have that collaboration from a board um, and to have that um, unity was so important because you can feel so much more confident in what you're trying to say because you know that you have the support of um, the organ, the boards, you know, the board of directors. And that gave me the courage to really go out there and start challenging um, some of these um, ideologies that people had. And, you know, to, you know, it's, it's not easy. Um, you know, I would also tell myself that, um, you know, not to be so scared because, you know, that was the other thing I was always afraid at first to speak up because I thought for sure it would have some sort of detrimental um, consequences. But the truth is, is that you attract the people um, that feel the same way and, and you get to build on that together. Instead of feeling isolated from it, you get to have again, this community that has been, I mean, I've made lifelong friends as a result of this, I'll never forget it. Yeah, thank you so much, superhero. <laughs> Thank you so much. It is uh, see, and that is like you said. Sometimes this journey is challenging because there are some inherent in all of us that we might not even know inherent bias. And at the end of the day, sometimes it's it's stuff that has been there for so long that we don't even know is there. So right. even uh each and every one of us have to be willing to give uh, each member the little space that we, he or she would need to process mm -hmm. and have a change of heart and say, no, I didn't see it like that. We shouldn't just have to say, oh, this is it, boo, 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 you're going to be punished. No, we are all human yeah. beings. And we are yep. all human beings. And like I said, I always tell people, what are we going to do about spilled milk? It doesn't mean mm -hmm. the milk did not spill. It doesn't mean that is good. But yeah. how do we move forward? That's mm -hmm. what I'm about. How do we move forward? We move yeah. forward by coming together as one and taking the battle to where it's needed. And exactly what you said. That's what I really appreciate what you said, saying being clear, clarity of, of, of purpose of everything that no means no. Yeah. And look at the, the, the look at the conference. It's so amazing. Really, really folks are still talking about it on LinkedIn up to <laughs> today. I have it's 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 great. Thank you so much I love it. for I that. Love it. So as we are wrapping up, what is your advice to folks that are just coming into cannabis, be if they want to be a business person or just even generally new to cannabis consumption? Uh, what would be your advice for, for folks? To be patient. <laughs> be very, very patient. Get educated for sure. Um, and you know, be, look for a mentor, but also, you know, understand that, that there's very few of us. And, you know, I know, I remember early on, um, getting feedback from a nurse that was, you know, new to the industry and, and she was craving mentorship, right? She wanted somebody to help her. And we were all so busy 
And I finally said, just put your head down and go to work. You'll catch up. And she presented at the conference this year. And, you know, it was a great conference. You know, it was a great um, presentation. It was very well received. And I just thought that's, you know, that's how we do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's room for everybody. It is, it is work. It's hard work. A lot yes. of people don't see the, the sleepless <laughs> night. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when I do a, a go on a conference and I do a presentation, and after that, because my husband Charles, he comes, he won't let me go anywhere alone. He just will not. So he comes with me when I say, "Hey, babe, ah, Sid, ah, that was really nice. What you think?" He'll be like, "Well." When you spend all your night and day studying this thing, what do you expect? It takes work. It's a lot of sleepless night. And the passion that we have for this plant, that's what's going to keep propelling us to keep doing this work. I am so, so so glad to have you, uh, uh, Eloise, today. Talk to me. Where can our audience find you? How can we... uh, sign up with your program uh where what social media where can we find you social media is definitely not my wheelhouse but you can, <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on our website uh radicalhealthcare.com and that's r-a-d-i-c-l-e healthcare.com um acna is cannabisnurses.org the411.org those are um, some of the websites and you can usually just uh, put them in social media and find our tags Mm. Um, it's hard to keep up with everything right (laughs) (laughs) and I know and I know you send me uh, some of those links and folks we're going to be having Miss Eloy's information on the show notes so you guys just be on the lookout as soon as we publish this episode we're going to have her on the look she is I said, she's calm, cool, and collected, but she is fire. Thank you, Miss Elois. We love you <laughs> oh, so much. Thank you for thank being you. a superhero and always thank helping you, our community. Yeah, I appreciate you so much. Folks, that's our show for today. Yes, that's our show. For those of you that are yet to sign up for Psychedelic as Medicine Masterclass, head straight to the website. You can pre-register right now. Uh, wci-health.com and like I said earlier if you would like to sponsor this show we need you <laughs> we need you folks if you would like to sponsor this show slide in DM WCI Health 19 on IG or head straight to the website wci-health.com and of course you can also find me on Clubhouse African Canadelic Club on Sunday 12 noon and also Cannabis Psychedelic Club on Saturday at 12 noon. Until next time, folks, remember health equals well. Bye, guys. Thank you, Miss Ila, so much. Thank you. My pleasure.